Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats fan. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports Page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from the District Sports Page and Doghouse from Federal Baseball on the line. After a 5-2 win over the Miami Marlins in Nationals Park, Dave, we'll start with the man on the mound for the Nationals. This is sort of making me sad at this point. Unbeaten in his last six starts before today, 4-0 and record over that stretch, a 4 2 ERA, 263, 3-22, 5-11 line against, and 36 in the third inning pitched. 1-1 uh, and in four starts with the Marlins this season with a 2-4-2 ERA, a 281, 300, 375 line against in 26 innings. Down 2 nothing early, though, after an RBI double by Christian Yelich and an RBI single by Justin Boer, but he holds the Marlins off the board after that. Uh, finishes six innings, 95 pitches, seven Ks. Not particularly uh, dominant outing from Jordan Zimmerman, but another workmanlike performance, a few nice pitches. I, I noticed you mentioned on Twitter that he was throwing a lot of pitches and a lot of strikes, but still throwing a, a high pitch count overall on the day. I had a hard time putting a few batters away, but decent start by Jordan Zimmerman. Yeah, you know, I've, re- I've um, noted that before, and I'm actually going to have to go and look it up now. Um, to see just how many foul balls uh, Jordan Zimmerman gives up, because it seems like there's an awful lot. I mean, it, guys know the book on him. I mean, he's going to throw strikes, and he's going to throw strikes regardless. Uh, and he's always around the plate, and, and it just seems like this year, um, you know, he's just, it, like you said, having trouble finishing guys off efficiently. Um, the strikeout numbers aren't particularly bad. I mean, they're about, you know, where he has been uh, throughout his career. Um, just throws an awful lot of pitches, which is keeping him from going deeper into games. Um, now, that's not to say that um, that he's uh, um, had, had less success. I mean, to the contrary, you rattled off the numbers 4-0 in his last six starts or whatever, and um, and, and pitching pitching you know pretty well. But um, but today started off kind of rough. Uh, uh, gave up those two runs early, and it looked like you know, uh oh, here comes the clunker. But uh, settled deal, settled down real nice to. Um, to hold uh, hold down a, a, a pretty decent hitting Miami Marlins lineup the rest of the way. Dogcast, I know you were at the game. Uh, six innings overall, six hits, two earned runs, just one walk, seven Ks, 95 pitches total. There's a few things at this point that I'm having a hard time coming to grips with, chief among them being the Nationals not being in the postseason after what we expected at the start of the year, but high on that list as well is the idea of Jordan Zimmerman making his possibly next-to-last start in Nationals Park for the Nationals today. Maybe one more start at home before this is all over, and then it looks like he's headed for free agency. This is a guy that we've covered and watched since he was drafted in 2007, watched him come up, and the idea of him pitching in a new uniform at some point next year is going to be a little bit hard to take for Nationals fans. Yeah, that that will be tough. Uh, Although I I have to say watching him today, it's kind of like his – career uh, replayed before our eyes because, you know, re- remember when he came up uh, before he had Tommy John, what what was Zimmerman's M.O.? He would he would get in trouble early. He would have trouble settling in. Uh, he would throw a lot of pitches and have trouble putting people away. Uh, I-, I can remember we would talk about this. This was before the podcast, back and forth in the comments about, you know, where's Zimmerman's put-away pitch? Why is he sitting here struggling with people at, at two strikes getting foul after foul after foul, and we're kind of seeing it again this season. I mean, he, he's never been as high of a strikeout guy as, as Strasburg or even Geo in their primes, but uh, 
tonight, you know, it was it was certainly serviceable. And while I have appreciated everything that Zimmerman has has done as a Nat, he certainly had success and helped the team do some some good things in the last few years. I, I it's not that I I won't be sorry to see him go. It's that I, I don't think I'm that invested in in re-signing Zimmerman at this point. You know, I I wish him well on another team, but I. Uh, I, I don't see the Nats needing to make an effort to keep him here. You know, I'll, like, like I say, I'll, I'll be sorry he's gone, but I, I don't think the Nats necessarily want or need him on the rotation next year, well, especially on a long-term contract. Right, that's exactly what I was going to say, especially on the five-, six-year deal that he's no doubt going to get out there somewhere. Someone's going to invest some money in him and hope to make the best of his next couple of years, but... Uh, Dave, Brad Hand on the mound for the Marlins again, kind of what we come to expect from him. 0-7 and and 11 games, nine starts versus the Nationals in his career with a 7-9-7 ERA, a 3-17-4-0-4-5-0-9 line against and 40 and two-thirds innings pitch, 4-6 and on the year, 5-3-2 ERA, 3-7-7 FIP, 2-96-3-17-4-28 line against and 86 in the third. Gave up 13 hits, eight earned runs, and eight innings pitched in his last two starts versus the Nats. Four scoreless to start today, but one out into the fifth. Tyler Moore took him deep for a solo home run, 2-1 Marlins at that point. He just loses control completely in the fifth inning, though. A home run by Moore, the single, a sack fly with the bases loaded, a bases loaded walk, a 41-pitch frame. I think he walked four batters in that, walked six or seven total, six total on the day just completely lost it at one point there. I was surprised how long it took Dan Jennings to come out and get him. He ended up throwing 41 pitches in that final inning of work and blew the game open there, allowing three runs in. Yeah, it was shocking that uh, that the, the, Marlins, the Marlins general manager slash ma- uh, manager uh, <laughs> decided to, to allow his uh, starting pitcher to languish so long there. But um, I, I'm going to be polite to Brad Hand and say that he's just not a very good major league pitcher. I'm not going to insult him further than that. Um, it, it's kind of it's testament to um, to what the Marlins are doing down there right now, that um, that they're having to populate their roster with, with players like Hand. Um, perhaps the uh, the long-term deal to, to Stanton, um, you know, has, has kind of um, make them, uh, you know, hamstruck to go out and find um, more talent to surround him with. Um, obviously, Jose Fernandez is a fantastic pitcher, but they need more arms, more starting arms there. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me to see them uh, to go out in free agency and, and, and do that in the off season. But, um, but yeah, Hand's just not very good. And the sooner that the Marlins can replace him in the rotation, uh, the better off they'll be. But then again, uh, that would be bad for the Nets. So why would we care? Um, just to go back to Zimmerman real quickly, um, I'll tell you what: the Chicago Cubs are going to be damn fun to watch next year. Uh, that's unfortunately my prediction as well, but we'll see where he ends up. I wouldn't be surprised at all. He wants to be close to home from everything we've heard. and We'll see if he ends up there. It doesn't seem like he's going to be back with the Nats this year, next year, though, so we'll have to wait and see. Doghouse, uh, Felipe Rivero, another impressive outing, 15 pitch, one, two, three, seven, to keep it 3-2 to two at that point. Bryce Harper steps up in the bottom of the inning, uh, home run number 41, a 2-2 slider up in the zone from Kyle Bearclaw, who has my favorite name of all time, even though I'm sort of over-pronouncing it as Bearclaw. Uh, Harper hits one into the second deck in right, 10 for 20 with four home runs in his last five uh, before today, one for three today with the home run, sixth home run in his last, uh, fifth home run in his last six games. Uh, just really nice blast by Harper there. Another impressive one. I, I think his uh, – 
sack fly and that 10-pitch at-bat might have been a more impressive at-bat altogether, and the Marlins announcers were sort of obsessing over the fact that he kept on changing, taking on and off his gloves and going to the dugout to get some new gloves and putting rods <laughs> on his hands and doing everything he could there to keep that bat go, at-bat going. But the home run was impressive. I, I kind of like that sack fly even more just as an example of what he's done this season. Uh, that, that was some brilliant theater, that uh, that particular bat. Gloves on, gloves off, rub some dirt on it. Yeah, good stuff. That 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 home run was absolutely crushed, though. Uh, I remember seeing it off the bat thinking, wow, that has been hit so hard. It's too bad it's not high enough to go out. And then it was a line drive into the, the front row of the second deck. That was ridiculous. I mean, the, the, the <laughs> apex of the trajectory was barely a little bit before the warning track. Uh, I'll, I'll be curious to go to Hit Tracker and, and see what the, the estimated distance on that because that was, you know, Dunn used to hit him there all the time, but they were moonshots. This was a line drive, and and it was it was nuts. I, I we we know that that Harper can do this, but every time it gets demonstrated in front of us, it's still surprising. I, I hope I never get used to this guy's talent. Dave, uh, I remember back in his rookie year, I did an interview on some radio station. I don't remember what it was, but took a lot of guff from the Nationals fans on federal baseball for saying that I didn't know if he was going to end up being a 40 home run hitter. But just seeing the way he was willing to go to the opposite field and spray the ball all around the field, I thought he was going to end up like a 340, 350 hitter who hit like 25, 30 home runs. But as of today, he's a 340 uh, hitter who hits 41 home runs and just really a, a breakout season in every way for Bryce Harper. He's on his way to an NL MVP unless something shocking happens, in my opinion. Just keeps on showing us every day, though. He's really taking the next step. Well, it's a shame that the Nationals played so poorly there after our break and, and, and around the, the trading deadline because the way that Harper's played over the last you know, 15, 20 games or so, um, these are the things that – that baseball writers, national baseball writers and columnists um, wax poetically about. Um, players taking teams on their back and leading them down the stretch toward the playoffs. It's just a shame the Nats were, were so far behind um, and the Mets have still continued really not to have that losing streak um, that the Nats aren't, aren't going to catch them because, I mean, that's exactly what Harper has done here, um, you know, since the start of September is just put the Nationals on his back and, and willing them to win um, you know, it, it's just the, the Mets haven't cooperated and had that four- or five-game losing streak that we all expected them to have at some point. Um, it, it's just a shame. I mean, Harper's going to win the MVP uh, either way. Um, it, it's just that, um, you know, on the national scene, this is the opportunity for, for the sports writers to gush over him like they do uh, Mike Trout, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think this is simply going to be Harper's talent was too good in the National League to ignore this year as opposed to being that team leader that willed his team to the playoffs. Yes, it's a disappointing result for someone who's had that great a year is not even going to be on the national stage in the postseason. But nonetheless, everything he's done this year is just impressed all season long, just a dominant campaign and a 340 average on the year as of right now. It's just absolutely ridiculous, not to mention a 460-something OPP after today. But... Getting back to today's game, Doghouse, Sammy Solis, my second favorite lefty on the team after Felipe Rivero gave up back-to-back singles in the eighth. Blake Trining comes on, gets a 5-4-3 DP and a swinging K and six-pitch outing, just came on dominant stuff right there, got exactly what the Nationals needed. 
uh, assuming, as many people are at this point, that Drew Storen's going to be out of the nation's capital at some point this winter. There's a lot of talk about him asking for and likely getting a trade at some point if he didn't ruin it by uh, injuring his thumb here at the end of the season. But Blake Trining could move into a really big role if uh, Drew Storen is, in fact, out of here. He's going to be in that seventh, eighth inning role, and with his sinker, with what he's able to do today, if he's able to do that on a regular basis, improve his numbers against lefties. He could play a huge role in the Nationals' bullpen. Uh, sorry for sounding like Donald Trump with my huge there, but could be a big part of the Nationals' huge, bullpen. Next to huge, season. luxurious huge. bullpen. He could be a huge part yeah, of it. I, I, I got to say, Matty just, again, showed his incompetence as a bullpen manager today. What is he doing letting him try and throw to a lefty? Okay, sure, he struck <laughs> him out, but, oh, no, wait a minute. Yeah, that was uh, – I, I liked all the moves there in that inning. You know, Solis comes up. He gave up, you know, a, a fairly hard hit single up the middle, and then a fairly weak single uh, that that uh, you know they, they were both a little bad, but he, he did what he was supposed to do, and and you know the balls didn't go where they needed to to get the outs. Trina came in, and the ball went right where he needed it to go to get some outs, and then he actually struck out a lefty. So small sample size, but certainly encouraging performance over that. And we've seen both of these pitchers put in good performances like this. And, you know, much as I'd I'd love to just crow about how the the, the Marlins are terrible, they do have a lot of good hitters on that team. Uh, So if, if, as, as these guys mature, you know, I, I could see them taking over those, those leverage spots here in the bullpen next season. Now I, I'm not going to like it because certainly uh, a, a a mature, more effective Bruce, uh, Bruce Blake Trinan is is not going to be Drew Storen at his peak. But Drew Storen is not Drew Storen at his peak anymore. So uh, I- unless we can upgrade the bullpen with with uh, other trades during the off season, and you know who knows what magic uh, Rizzo might work, uh, I, I think the pieces are there. To, to be serviceable in the late innings, maybe not dominant, but serviceable, assuming that there's enough offense to support it. Of course, that's that's going to be a big question mark next season. Jonathan Papelbon got the save in the ninth, 24th save. Mets lost today to the Nationals, seven games back with 14 to play, and you can do the math yourself there. It's not going to – I'm not going to say not going to happen, but not going to be easy <laughs> either way. I'm going to try to stay positive towards the end here, but – Dave, as we have been looking forward to 2016 a little bit, there's a story from James Wagner at the Washington Post today after talking with Matt Williams before the game. They said the plan was, in fact, to move Rendon back to third base next season. Uh, the plan was at, at, the, at the start of the season as well, before he got injured, Uni moved over to third, and Escobar ended up staying over there when Rendon returned. But looks like they're going to move him back to where they should. He's a gold-glove caliber third baseman. I know a lot of national fans are pulling for him being back there eventually, but... What do you think the Nationals do with the rest of the infield? Um, Uni at short, Espinosa at second. Where do you think the Nationals go, at least at the start? Because I think we're all assuming that, if not at the beginning of the season, at some point Trey Turner is going to be up there on an everyday basis at short. Well, you know, we talked about this um, last week, I think, in a show. Um, I, I would like to see the Nats give Trey Turner every opportunity to win the job out of spring training. Um, you know, we saw uh, his numbers in the minor leagues this year. Um, he's just not a minor league player anymore. We need to see if he's uh, going to be able to capable going to be capable of playing shortstop at the major league level. And the only way to know that is to put him out there. So um, I'd like to see the Nationals give him that opportunity. Uh, if during spring training it looks like he's not going to be able to handle it, then you do have Yuno Escobar 
uh, to step back in and, and play shortstop, something that he hasn't done any of this year. Um, no, no. For a long time. Well, see, and that's the thing. We know that Escobar's defense is flipping all over the Put place. Him he, was lousy at short, he was lousy at shortstop last year. He's been lousy at, at, at third base this year. He's a liability in the field. So if the Nats can avoid having him play shortstop, I think they want to do that. Um, and then, of course, they've got, they've got Danny Espinosa kicking around that can play both positions. But I think that they would rather have Espinosa on the bench and preferably, um, as far as I'm concerned, that as well. So I'd love to see them uh, give Trey Turner the opportunity to win the job. So, okay, if you want to share any thoughts on the situation there, where you think you and he's better off, you think he can play second, does he have the range for second base at this point in his career, and do you like Rendon back at third? I, I think we all do, but I'll ask anyway. I think we're just trying to find the place that Escobar does the least harm in the field. Uh, honestly, put him at first and have Zim play second. And I, I'm only half joking <laughs> when I say that. Uh, I don't want to see Zim in at second. I'm sorry. I don't want to see him try to turn double plays. <laughs> Dave, one more one before we get out of here. Uh, John Heyman wrote on Friday, which was yesterday, I suppose, that Matt Williams is in line to get the pink slip. If the Nationals don't make the postseason, it sure doesn't look like they're going to at this point in spite of their efforts. When they hired him, though, you knew this was a guy that you're going to bring in is going to have some growing pains. He's never managed outside of a stint at a double-A earlier in his career, never managed at any level of the game. I guess the AFL stint I should add in there, too. But uh, has anything the Nationals done over the last couple of weeks, the way they've kept fighting and uh, what they've been able to do trying to right the ship a little bit going towards the end here, done anything to change your mind about what's going on with Matt Williams and whether or not he'll be on the bench next season. I'm kind of leaning towards the fact that I think he's going to be back. As I said before, I think there are enough excuses and things that went wrong health-wise and with the Nationals' rotation and lineup that they could justify keeping him here. But what do you think is going to happen? Is the roar of the uh, opposition to Williams going to be too strong for the Nationals to ignore it? Well, uh, obviously, uh, Bryce Harper, with his endorsement, uh, gave his opinion on the subject the other week that, um, you know, look, nothing the Nats have done down the stretch here uh, has been Williams' fault, much as, like, um, you know, uh, the, all the injuries that, that, that happened this year were not Williams' fault. But um, to be frank about it, the, the, the team that was favored to win the World Series coming into the season isn't going to make the playoffs, and somebody has to pay for it. Um, the Lerner family is all about the bottom line, and this team was supposed to win. It did not, so somebody's going to have to pay the price. And I think that's going to end up being Matt Williams. I think there's really no other way around it. You can't really um, – you can't fire the players. Um, they'd have a hard time firing all the staff and leaving Williams. So um, so I think heads will roll, um, and they'll bring another manager in. And personally, I'd love to see them hire um, an, exper- an experienced veteran manager this time. Um, as opposed to somebody that's going to get on the job training. Because, frankly, I don't think Williams has passed that on the job training. I think there are a lot of things that he fails at. I think there are some things that he does very well, but I think there are a lot of things that, that he has not had gotten the grasp of yet uh, now at the end of his second season, and we keep seeing the same mistakes repeated over and over. Doug, guys, any last thoughts before we sign off? Has he changed your mind at all in the last couple of weeks? Anything that Bryce Harper said changed your mind? Uh, well, I mean, come on, the big Harper bro hug, how can you fire that? You guys are heartless. Heartless. <laughs> we'll see. There are 14 games to play. Nationals 77-71 and 71 after win the night. One more fish tomorrow. I 
see what they can do. Steven Strasburg's on the mound in the series finale. Matt Knightley, sponsored by the District Sports page and federalbaseball.com. I'll talk to both of you guys tomorrow night. Go Nats.